What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I'm here with Anthony, Lori, and Mike. We are discussing today the second episode of the Wheel of Time series. Um, before we get started with this episode, I do want to get some shout outs. Um, we got mentioned on a podcast, the Discerning Geeks Portal. Uh, Todd from that podcast mentioned us twice on their Best of 2021 episode. Um, the first mention was uh, he quoted me on something I said about the passing of Betty White on our New Year's Eve episode that Lori and I recorded. And then he also uh, mentioned us as one of his favorite podcast for last year so thanks Todd for that shout out if you haven't checked them out check them out on the discerning geeks portal and uh he also left left us a really good review and then we also got a donation from a friend of mine named Corey uh he goes by static Eddie on Twitter so thanks Corey for the donation just wanted to get those shout outs before we started with the episode so let's get into it episode two um I watched it right before we started recording today because it had been a minute and I was trying to remember, I was like, so what was this second episode about? And then that damn white cloak showed up in the first part of the episode. And I was like, oh, we got to start with this hateful ass. Oh my God, Valda. Anthony, give us some background on him because, oh, he's like one of those characters where you meet him and in the first five minutes, you're like, oh, this dude needs to die a horrible horrible death um amen amen valda is lord captain command well he's not lord captain commander he's like a high inquisitor Mm -hmm. um the white cloaks are pretty much like a fundamentalist terrorist organization they're the red cloaks from cursed basically yes (laughs) they really are um they 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 despise Aes Sedai. Um, Eamon Valda, he takes that to an extreme where if it was up to him, he would wipe out all the Aes Sedai. He would burn Tarvalon to the ground and just be done with anyone who could channel. Like for the White Cloaks, channeling is something that was given to them. It's something that belongs to the creator and only the creator should be able to do it. Anyone else he's doing it is blasphemous. So they should be all destroyed. And he takes this to, to an extreme. So um, I was going to ask because the way he comes across at the beginning of this episode, like he has one of the Aes Sedai tied up to a stake. He's he's cut off both of her hands. He's removed her ring and placed it on the belt with several other rings. So I'm assuming that she's not the first Aes Sedai he's caught and and no, killed that, that first scene tells you everything you need to know about valda oh my god it tells but... you everything even to the point where he's eating um i think that's a little bird and he's like yeah it cuts the corners of your mouth just enough to where it doesn't hurt but you bleed and it enhances the flavor of the yeah that's he's 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 terrible i was like dude what happened to you like who you want to take him down like who hurt you baby who hurt you? Right, Who did exactly. this to you? I, you know, it was like one of those things I was trying to figure out, like, is he jealous because he can't channel? And is that why he's so adamant about it? Or is he just that hateful in general? Well, you know what happens to people who are sociopaths or psychopaths? They get into an organization like this and mm-hmm. they become zealots and they take that psychopathy and 
and those issues they have and they channel it through what they're doing. And that's what he does. So in the book, it's not real clear what his motivations are, but we just know that he is, he considers himself like the ideal white cloak. He is the ideal white cloak. He's also a blade master, which they don't talk about this in the series, but he is also very, very good with the sword. So he's not the one that's in the beginning of book two. Um, I would have to. I would have to look. They have a meeting at the beginning of the book. I'd have to look. Okay. I can't, I can't right. call it okay. right now. Anthony is like, it's been too long. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm. I haven't. I'm only halfway through book one. So. I but you know, know, see, I cheat. I do audiobooks. <laughs> But when when you see him in this scene and the way that he's acting and, and just talking in his calm voice, and I think what makes him even more creepy for me is that he's doing all of this with a smile, like he's genuinely enjoying this. And you know who he, he made me think of? He made me think of Dolores Umbridge. Like he is a yeah. more <laughs> extreme version of Dolores Umbridge because Dolores, while she was a, a little bit sadistic, she never actually killed anyone. And she really thought that she was right doing that what she was doing. Of. That we know of. That we know. That That is true. That we well, know she, of. She She's quite actually one of my favorite characters ever, especially in the movie. I mean, I'm sitting there and I'm laughing because she just gets more evil and more evil and more righteous at the same time. Right. In, in, the, in the Dungeons and Dragons, in the, what is that chart call where they place people? I think Valda would be lawful, lawful, lawful evil. Evil, yeah. Lawful yeah. good, lawful evil, neutral, yeah. That dude mm-hmm. is so extreme. But because he really is, he they have a code. They he follows the code. He has rules, but he's just a little bit evil. And he's too okay. So we're not going in order because I got, I got to talk about him. So later on in the episode, when they come across, when the white cloaks come across Moraine and um, you know Rand and all of them, and he gets you know he gets to the point where he has to question or inspect her to make sure she's not eyes to die. The fact that he walks around and he just starts touching her to like, I don't know what he's looking for. Like, I know he looked at her hands to see if she had the ring, but I don't know what other physical characteristics I said I have that made him like he's rubbing on her back like he's trying to feel for horns coming out of her back or something. But (laughs) before I even could say it out loud watching and mind you, I'm watching this by myself. No one else is with me, but I'm talking to myself while I'm watching this. And I'm like, he got some nerve. And then Land says the thing, you know, about, well, I'm from the borderlands where we understand that you don't touch a woman without permission unless you want to lose your hands or something like that. And I was like, oh, okay. So it's not just me. Like he's just literally molesting Moraine, trying to find whatever he's trying to find out. And he's just touching her and he's talking and he's He's talking in that threatening, non-threatening way. Like he's talking about what they do to Aes Sedai or, you know, the, the, I guess the sinful nature of Aes Sedai or whatever. I can't remember his exact verbiage, but he's doing this and he's walking around and he's feeling on Moraine and just touching her. And like, he's doing this. Start with sniffing her. And yeah. It was I saw so you during that scene. Creepy. I said, this is going to bother Hanukkah. This is Dude, really going to get on her. Dude, bothered nerves. me. He would have lost a hand. Dude. <laughs> 
I mean, I understand you're trying to keep a low profile because you don't want him to think you're Aes Sedai and you don't want him to think about these, um, you know, these kids who may have the power to channel. But, oh, my God, that bothered me so much. Like, why the fuck are you touching her? Like, you can ask your questions. You don't have to. Why are you touching her? Like, she's not. Oh, that bothered me so. Yeah, he doesn't know what personal space is. He's, yeah, he's I'm, yeah, really I'm, I'm, I'm watching it. I'm watching it now, and it's like he is like, and Land is, is trying not to cut both his arms off. Like, yes, he's like, if you don't get your motherfucking hands, yes, yeah, he's, but he, he's, yeah, he, he's he was definitely righteous. creepy as shit. He's very righteous in his beliefs. And oh my goodness, beliefs, so. and he just, um, I don't. I know that, you know, we're, we're doing this episode by episode, but I've already, you know, watched the full season and even there's, I think, okay, but there's one, one episode later on where he's kind of the same way, but in a more aggressive, I was just like, dude, you just, somebody needs to just like kill you. (laughs) How is he more aggressive than this? I mean, I'm sorry, but he's, he, Look, certain people need to realize, and I know I'm saying this out of context, tongue in cheek. Yeah, it's it not gets, 1985 it gets, anymore. It gets okay? worse. So, but he's off. He's just one of those characters, That's like from the moment he's on the screen. First of all, I'm just looking at him like, oh, okay. I mean, thinking about his character aside, I'm like, okay, look at him. Nice chocolate black man in this all white outfit. Like, he looked good. Then he opened his mouth and I was like, he did look good. I will give you that. No, but you know, I have seen a conversation um, in the last couple of months where, you know, people were talking about the fact that we don't get any really um, complex or delicious, like black evil characters. Like they're always kind of, they're not like that grand scope of evil for our black characters and and you know people are like we need like more evil black characters we need them to fill those spaces in the show that they have that complexity and that but okay okay y'all asked for it and you got it because this dude right here uh-uh from the moment he got on the screen i was like oh okay and then i was like oh wait oh no mm, yeah. you, he, he, you has gotta it, die. he has it in spades Part of the pun. <clears throat> Sorry. Ah. <laughs> he's evil. And of course, he's killed. I think, I don't know. I, it was like five or six, maybe seven. 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 Yeah, I think Moraine said it. Um, When they were resting the horses, she said to Lance, she said, um, she said, did you see my, did you see my sister's rings? Seven of them now. So that means that there's one Aes Sedai that's out there in the world that or unless unless they're counting her, but I don't I don't know if they count her because never mind that that goes into something from later on in the episode. But yeah, so I mean he almost got her. Luckily she's she's a good um, I can't say liar because she kind of specifies that in this episode that she does not lie. She always she tells can, the truth. No, she cannot she, lie. Yeah, she cannot lie. The oath rod makes it physically impossible for them to lie mm-hmm. um when you but she can twist that truth she can twist that truth yeah i mean technically she's what she not, said was true the trogs invaded 
they hurt a lot of people. They were over West. Mm-hmm. I mean, she just left out a lot of shit. It's like she just it was, was very selective in what she said. That's more key. If she's very selective in what she says and how she says it, mm-hmm. they can't even really twist the truth. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I mean she 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 has a way but, to work that lot. Yeah, but um, yeah. what she says in the episode, she says she said words are important and how we use them is important. And we've actually said this, um, something similar talking about a couple of other shows where, um, you know, some, a a character will say something and it's kind of like, well, that's technically not a lie because of the way that they said it's like, you always have to watch the way you say things because you can say things and make people think one thing when you mean another, but it's just the con, it's just the way that you say it, the mm-hmm. way you construct your sentences and how creative you can be with your speech. And she does that. If you think about the way that she answered everything, like you said, Mike, she didn't tell a lie. She mm-hmm. told the truth. And even when Egwene said something to her, she was like, well, you lied back there. She was like, did I? She was like, uh, and Egwene said, well, you, do you really have a sister? And she was like, all I said, I are my sisters. And, you know, she says certain things. She was like, just pay attention and i was like ah okay yeah because she says she's a a lady from a fallen house mm-hmm. which we don't know a lot about her characters but yes she is from a okay. fallen house okay so that was a true she tells you a lot with that but if you're paying attention mm-hmm. you know you, you could hear what she's saying but he's more concerned with trying to find out if she's not to die or not right like he asked what house or, you know, where are you from? Where are you going? Right. He, he didn't ask very specific questions. So. Right. Because I would think, okay, given what we know about the Aes Sedai so far, it's only been two episodes, but we know that, um, you know, all the Aes Sedai are women. We know that they have warders, which are, is it that they all are men or that they're mostly men? Because we haven't seen too much of the, okay. They're mostly the, men. Okay, thank you. So, and then of course she's got these younger people, which probably wouldn't mean much to him in the scheme of things. But to see her and the way she's dressed, and then to see Lan, I would think that if you are familiar with how the Aes Sedai work and how they operate, that you see this woman, you see this man traveling, that might be a clue. But yeah, the- and and he could have just asked her, "Are you I said I?" And <laughs> she would have had to give him given it. But the thing mm. is, he doesn't. They the white cloaks don't truly try to understand I said I. So even if you told him that they take oaths not to tell a lie, he wouldn't believe it. Yeah, he just said they're gonna lie anyway. Yeah, why would I believe that? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So mm-hmm. that that's that doesn't serve his purpose. Right. So even if she's even if he asked her, he knows he knows he's he's not gonna ask her because he knows she's going to lie. Okay. That's his perspective. Right. So he tries to go about it a different way. So the yeah, other question feeling you're up and being creepy as shit. Right. <laughs> right, right. So the other question I I have is, and I guess this probably is self-explanatory or kind of obvious. But I'm assuming if he's killed all of those Aes Sedai, chances are he's killed their warders too because the warders are there to protect them, correct? Yes. So chances are he's killed them too in his pursuit of killing the Aes Sedai. Yes. And does he just kill the Aes Sedai outright? Or like, is there a, is there like 
a trial that he does for them or or does he just question them for information and then just um let's just go with the show depiction of him okay he ties them up on the state and asks them questions and then he burns them to death i mean he oh so he's a lovely guy on top of everything else okay yeah his his goal is to eliminate i okay. from the world like where, where are where are the rest of you like where can i find more of you okay you're not gonna answer well i don't have any mm. need for you and kill him um and once again i said they, they don't talk about this but he is a blade master there aren't a okay. whole lot of them and there are very few warders who would be able to if other than the fact that he has numbers like he can overwhelm they could overwhelm a warder easily with their numbers um it would be very difficult he would lose a lot but chances are being a blade master he probably did it himself mm, okay because there aren't many that could that could go toe-to-toe with him oh okay with the sword but they don't make that clear in the show okay but that was an astute observation that he would have had to go through a lot of warders to kill because i just chances it are, just made me think about it i don't it. think any of those rings i don't think any of those rings were red because i don't think a red sister would let any man get that close to them right and the red sisters don't have waters correct no they don't okay okay so Um, yeah i just i just happen to think about it because if you think about it with the way moraine and lan are even with just the four and i'm gonna keep calling them kids because they're younger than the than the rest of them but like every time rand says something against moraine or he raises his voice lan is all up in his face like what you want to do what you want to do so it just got me to thinking that in order for Valda to get that close to a sister, he had to go through their water. Mm-hmm. So it just, you know, I was just wondering about that. Like, hmm. So he's been doing a lot of killing just to get to these girls or just to get to these women. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So. Yeah, Valda, he's just he's just all out creepy. I just had to get that out the way since he was the first one in the episode anyway. But I was like, let's just get him out the way because I don't want to talk about him the rest of the show. He's just so creepy and he's so evil and he does it with a smile. And I'm just like, he's going to be one of those characters that's going to be around for a while because he's just that evil. Like now, now we can't, and also we want to be mindful of applying him to the rest of the white cloaks because not all the white cloaks are like him. They have yeah, it similar, didn't appear that way. Yeah, they have similar beliefs, but you know they do want to eliminate Isodai, mm-hmm. but they're not cruel like he is. Okay, yeah, I kind of noticed that even with the um with the white cloaks when they came across the white cloaks during their travel and i guess it was the the other guy who was in charge the one who actually would you please step off your horses and you know the way that he talked to them and you know moraine has her wound from the trollocs and you know she was doing her best to not say anything about it but when valda pushed into her shoulder she couldn't help but have a reaction because of how much pain she's in. And when she's telling them about the um, attack, you know, of course she doesn't use the word trollic. She just says it was a beast and it had like a, a mouth, like a boar. And then that guy says, would you mind showing me your wound? 
You know, it was like, it was such a contrast between him and Valda, where Valda was just touching her, just whatever. And this dude was like, would you mind showing it to us? Like, he didn't even approach her to look at it himself. He asked her permission. You know, he, he basically acknowledged her agency and it was just like, okay, so all white cloaks, they may have, they may be, as you say, zealots, or they may have these beliefs, but not all of them are assholes like Valda. Okay, noted. <laughs> Most of them are, but not all of them. Well, this particular gentleman apparently was not, but maybe it's just, I don't know, maybe it's just the questioners too, because Valda makes it very clear when they are um, about to split what, you know, uh, part ways, you know, the, he's going to take the questioners to, I guess, go look for more Aes Sedai and they're going to continue on their journey. He says um, something about your purposes are different from ours. We have a, we have a different purpose. The questioners have a different purpose. And I was like, the way that he said it to that guy was like, yes, we all have our mission, but you go on your merry little way. We have more important things to do. It was almost like one of those. He was like, well, my job is more important than yours. Like we do more important work. And I was just like, oh, okay, he's one of those types. Yeah, That's one yeah, of those. That, that guy was uh, Geofram Bornhall, who's one of the Lord Captains. So he's hmm. one of the guys in charge. Okay. But but Valda still made it seem like, yeah, you're in charge, but I'm more important than you. Go along your journey. We're going to go do what we're supposed to do. Yeah, he, de- he like, definitely oh. had a father douchebag vibe about him. I was like, you got another one of these? Yeah, it was hmm very much so so i um and you know we we talk about this all the time how you know a lot of fantasy they follow the same tropes they have like the same types of characters i i really did have i was comparing it to curse because it was just kind of one of those i was like oh he's like the red cloaks oh that's like you said my father douchebag that that's him so i'm like it really is <laughs> Okay, yeah, he's going to be one of those characters that gets on my nerves in this series, but he's probably also going to be very important in in terms of pushing the story along. But I was like, oh, this dude just, he could have been okay. But the thing that made me say, no, he has to die right now. Him putting his hands all over Moraine, I was like, no, 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 he's got to go. He's got to go. But anyway, let's let's move on from him because, oh. Anyway, so let's get back to the quote unquote kids. You have Rand, Egwene, um, Perrin, and Matt on the run with Moraine and Lan. And they're basically, they are trying to lead the Trollocs, one, away from their village so that they don't kill anybody else there. But also Moraine is kind of giving them bits and pieces of what she thinks she knows about them as far as uh, their relation to, or the fact that they may be the dragon reborn. And she's giving them just enough information to keep them, I guess, to keep them following her as she tries to lead them. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. For everybody except for Rand. Like Rand is like, no, you ain't giving us enough information. Where are we going? Why are we going there? What makes you think? I mean, he's like, he's questioning everything. Yes, Lori. And it's <laughs> many ranch. I read science fiction. I read science fiction fantasy. 
97.999 of all these books where they start out in the village, the tavern, the school, whatever, the adults don't tell the kids shit. Newsflash, if you would tell the kids what's popping, you might not have X, Y, Z down the line mm-hmm. in the ranch. Dumbledore. I mean, <clears throat> exactly. I mean, you have a point. I mean, thinking about, we we just had this discussion a couple of days ago. We just talked about Harry Potter because of the 20th anniversary. If you think about Harry Potter and his journey and Dumbledore, Dumbledore could have told him at the beginning and it would have eliminated half the shit exactly. Harry had to go through. But that's, that's, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, but but, but yeah. in regard to what we're discussing right now, just tell the kids what's going on. Or at, least, right. or at least give them the highlights. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, like in 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 the Aragon Aragorn or Aragon series about the dragon, if they had just told him from the beginning everything, a lot of pain and suffering could have been saved for later. Yeah. Or, Same or thing with Dragonlance. If if they would have if if, if Goldmoon and, and Riverwind had told Tannis and them what was going on when they were at Olo's Tavern when they were having Tinka serving the potatoes and they went off on their village with Caramon and Rasslin. Same thing. And then Tassel Burfoot wouldn't have to rob anybody. Yes, I went I, deep I know, on the deep and deep. <laughs> I know we're off on a tangent, but even in the Belgariad series mm-hmm, by David Eddings, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um Belgrath the sorcerer, he told Garyon everything mm-hmm. like in the beginning he said this is who you are mm-hmm. this is what you're gonna have to do mm-hmm. and this is how we're going to do it mm-hmm. and it was so different to read where the old sorcerer like from the beginning told him everything like mm-hmm. this is what you're supposed to do you have to kill a god and this is how we're gonna do it well they even did that with ender's game they told ender in the beginning and it happened worked out I mean, no, they, did, they didn't tell Ender anything because remember, they didn't tell any of the kids anything. Oh, that's right. He found out. That, that's over. right. That's right. You're right. You're yeah. right. He found out. They, I'm sorry. Scratch that one. You're right. Yeah, they, they didn't tell them anything. That's right. It was I, I over. Forgot. I forgot. <laughs> it was over. It that's was right. Afterwards. That's right. I just, I don't understand like how, and I, okay, so I'm thinking about this on two levels because I'm thinking about it as, they're not giving these people the information because it's part of their character growth. Like it's, it's helping them to learn deductive reasoning, critical thinking, all of this stuff that you need. I understand that. At the same time, it's kind of like you can eliminate so much. Think about, okay, I'm again, my, my brain is stuck in Harry Potter right now. Think about all the people who died fighting Voldemort fighting especially like the final battle all of this stuff who didn't have to die if Dumbledore had said hey yes I told you about the horcruxes but let me tell you what they are let me tell you how you can destroy them thinking about it you know one of the clips that I've seen um from Harry Potter in recent days was when they were trying to destroy the locket in the woods and Ron says Dumbledore sends you on this mission to find the horcrux but it doesn't tell you where they are or how to destroy them. Like how the fuck is that helpful? And you think about it with all of these things that you guys have mentioned. It's like, there could have been, I, yeah. And yes, I know it. It's part of the story. It helps, you know, move the story along and the story will be a lot shorter if they knew all the information, but still you're talking about lives. You could do just a, just, 
just a little bit of information can go a long way. But then I start thinking about Infinity War. And when Dr. Strange was sitting there and he was looking at all the different possibilities for how they can defeat Thanos. And there was only one possibility that would have worked. And when Tony asked him about it, he basically was like, I can't tell you, otherwise it may not happen. It's like one of those things where where certain things have to happen in a specific way in order to come to this end result, you know? Because think about it, at that point in time, if Dr. Strange would have said, you're gonna have to sacrifice your life in order to defeat Thanos, do we really think Tony would have done that? I don't know if I think he would have done it by yeah. that, at that it point. Would've, it would've he would have tried, he would have tried to figure out a different way to make it work or tried to figure out a different way to defeat Thanos without him having to lose his life or without Natasha. If he, if, if Dr. Strange said, well, you and Natasha will have to lose your lives in order to defeat Thanos. Tony would have been like, uh, uh-uh, Nope. There's gotta be another way. So I, it's like, well, I, well, see future, future reading, future reading is really weird that way though. It's like in some stories, like they'll tell the person, and the person will be like, no, that's not going to happen. But it ends up happening anyway because it's going because it's already foretold that it's going to happen. And then there are other people mm-hmm. who don't say any, who know what's going to happen, but don't say anything because, like you, like like you said, it was strange. It's like it might not happen, so I don't want to take the chance of me telling you and you being like, fuck this shit. I'm just going to sit right here, and it's not going to happen. So there. But mm-hmm. it's like I mean, sometimes it's yeah. just, it, I mean, you just kind of have to. It, really depends on the story like like who's telling the future and how and how they think like if they think that it's a it's an absolute point like in what if like it's gonna happen regardless of whatever he does then it doesn't matter mm-hmm. yeah well for harry potter i think we kind of learned later that dumbledore was like well i really couldn't tell you everything because i wasn't sure if your connection with Voldemort went both ways, like if I told you everything, then he, Voldemort would know. He, yeah, not, I'm just, I'm just, I'm I, just throwing it out there. And then, and then like in Star Wars, if Obi Wan had told Luke, well, yeah, Darth Vader, this sociopath who's killing everyone, is your dad? Is your I don't, father? I don't know how he would take that. Right. It would have maybe softened the blow later when Darth Vader tells him, but. Uh, but we then, would not have gotten that moment either. right but, but back to the story at hand Maureen mm-hmm. didn't have she didn't have to push a lot to get them to come with her she simply said the dark one knows the same thing I know that one of you is a dragon reborn and he's going to keep sending Trollocs to your family until he mm-hmm. kills you mm-hmm. so you're going to have to leave now if you can stay if you want to but they're going to keep coming and everyone's going to be dead. Everyone yeah. that you love. Yeah. So she didn't have to tell them anything because she told them just enough for them to know that they had to go with her at least for protection to protect their family. Right. They want, you know, if you want to live, come with me. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah, then there's that. By the way, though, that did that does work occasionally because you still see TV shows do that same line in any type of variation you know that does still work but um let's see here's my thing coming up in a small-ish town and 
and living with people that I've known all my life, I'm talking about personal experience. Mm -hmm. If someone would come up to me and say, you need to leave town because X, Y, Z is going to kill everyone in the town because you're in the town. I would have gone with them, but I would have said, okay, before we leave, answer this question, this question, this question. Let me go get my grandfather's rifle. Okay, let's answer this question and now we can go. I want a little bit more information on why I had to leave town. I mean, these are kids that have literally never been off the mountain before. Well, that was okay. going to be difficult when she says, look up there. Right. And they look, look up at all those chalics And there's an army coming. Yeah. So yeah. still want a little bit more help because see, these are these are basically farm kids, okay? And farm kids are tough, okay? And I know that in that little tiny little village, somebody has a cellar where they can hide. Somebody knows a way to escape through the wood. I mean, come on, the kids could have hid. I mean, no, nah, that, you know, no. I would I would think that if magic wasn't involved, but but considering the fact that these kids are being singled out because they can possibly channel. I'm assuming that the Trollocs or the Fades, like the one we saw in this episode, I'm assuming they can probably feel that power Mm. no matter how minute it might be. So I think in that case, there really would not be a way for them to just sit there and hide because unless they know a a way to mask that power or uh, to mask being uh, detected, there's just no way that that can happen. I don't, Uh, I don't think. Okay. Okay, Here I I want to, I want to interject something. Um, It's not a spoiler, but Maureen. I thought you were about to say it's not a theory. (laughs) Is it? Okay. Maureen, Maureen mentioned that the the four of them were Taviran. And we don't get an explanation of what Taviran are. Mm -hmm. Um, When the creator created the wheel, um, he also had, you know, other things happen. Basically, whenever something kind of is off in the wheel or is not functioning properly, the creator will spin out a Taviran. That person will bend the wheel back to where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, it is very rare for there to be four Taviran in the same place at mm-hmm. the same time. Okay. Um, in the books, only three of them are Taviran. I'm not going to tell you who the fourth person who wasn't supposed to be, but they made this person a Taviran for purposes of the show, which is perfectly fine. That is separate from being able to channel. Mm-hmm. Not all Taviran can channel. Okay. And not all channelers are Taviran. Oh, okay. Taviran Thank you for a, clearing that up. Okay. Taviran I have is a, a question. specific person designed to make sure everything stays on path. Whenever the dark one screws something up in the wheel, a Taviran is spun out to put it back on track. I have a question because I'm reading the books right now. How do people recognize one of them and do they instinctively know that they are? Okay, so to, to answer that question, there are, they can be people who can be sensitive to the pull. They call it the pull of a Taviran. Mm-hmm. Um, Taverans can feel that pool with each other and that is something that I don't know if we're going to get in the show but in the book they are very aware of how at, the more they f- learn about being a Taveran they are very aware of where each other are yeah, they I, have okay. visions of each other right. they can kind of feel each other see each other's en- energy like 
they can feel the proximity to each other. It's not like a bond. Right. But they it's almost like a gravitational pull. Okay, but you're not answering my question. Do they glow or not to other people? <laughs> it Did depends. depends. Um, you got the glow. Um, the dark one. Well, the dark one can feel it. He knows because they are actively always engaged with changing and altering the wheel. So it's subconscious. But my, but my question, how, when she tells them that they're that, how does she... Does she know because she's Aes die? Is it you just walk down the street and all of a sudden, you, you know, it's like Pokemon, you catch them? I, how do they know that these people are Tavarians? Other people, not them. If, if I remember correctly, she didn't really know in the books. Um, so I don't know how they're going to explain that in the show. Okay, that I'm, I'm sorry to press you, but I'm in, a, I'm in, I'm a third of book two and I got some questions. So, so she, she knew. It seemed like in the she, show she, that she kind of, as she encountered each one of them in the village, it's almost like, I felt like she sensed the one power in them or the potential for that to be in them. Because at first, when they first get to the village and Lan is asking her, she was like, I don't know. And then it's like, as she sees them, I feel like she's kind of drawn to them to the point where she knows that it's them. And then thinking about what you just said, Anthony, about the fact that they can kind of sense each other and it's like a pull towards each other. Even if they didn't know they were to Vern, maybe that explains why those particular four have such a close bond. Like, even though I'm not sure if there are many other people in the village that are around that same age, but it's very clear they're all best friends. They're all very closely knit with each other. They're very protective of each other. It's kind of like, you know, aside from Rand and Gwen, it almost feels like there is like a familial bond between all of them. And of course that could possibly just be from them growing up in the same village all of their lives, but they seem to have a particularly close bond. Yes, they do. And, and she wouldn't, okay. The thing about the blue, Aja, is they are, I think I told you this before, they're like the CIA of right. the Aes Sedai. They have a spy network. Um, they have ways of getting information. So one of the things that she knows, she knows the exact age of the Dragon Reborn. Mm -hmm. So once she, she got that and she got the information on, on the kids in that area, because she's been looking for 20 years. Mm -hmm trying to find the dragon reborn mm -hmm. and so it didn't take her long to figure out there's something different about these individuals there's something special about them um the thing is women cannot sense the one power in men mm. so she oh, cannot really? sense the one power in them Okay. She cannot see them weep. I don't know if they're going to do this in the show, but in the book, they cannot see men channel. They cannot feel them channel or anything. Yeah, you mentioned that last time. Yeah. So she wasn't like she sensed that they have the one power. But based on her research and her knowledge and what she knows and the signs of who the Dragon Reborn should be, that's how she narrowed it down to those kids. Oh, okay. okay. Now, that, yeah, okay. Now, 
I think one of the reasons why they haven't really talked about the Tiberian thing is I don't know if he actually is going to explain why she knows they're Tiberian. Um, because their thing is like Matt has this uncanny ability to win gambling bets and to throw dice and always mm-hmm, win. Mm-hmm. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> <laughs> but in the show, they introduced him as a loser, which okay. is a little different for Matt. Um, as, okay. as far he go, as far as he is in the books. But you know, to answer your question, I don't know if they're sufficiently going to be able to explain how she knows they're Tavirin. And if they're going to explain that, if they're going to be different from the book, that she could actually sense them channeling or being able to channel. Oh, okay. She should not okay. be able to do that. Okay, okay. Cause I... Not for the men. For the, for the girls, she can, but mm-hmm. not for the boys. Okay, that okay, that makes sense because that that went into a couple different questions because there, okay. there's something in the first episode, the, well, this episode that was about the travelers, but I'll, uh, I will address that. Oh, about the tinkers. Tinkers, sorry. That's the next episode. Sorry. Right. Yeah, I will yeah. discuss that when we get to that because I have, I have, I have some because because I've read the first book and know nothing else. I'm bursting with questions that I'm trying to pace through as we do the episodes. I'm trying not to ramble on these things, but yeah, they, it's going to be interesting to see where, where they go with this. Um, we obviously, by the, since we're skipping around, we know at the end of the episode there's something special about parent. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I know what she that is. Probably has the ability to sense that he's different in that way. Okay. She but, knows that Rand's background is a little shaky, and mm-hmm. and Matt is just different. So she could be taking le- a leap of faith, which is something that she's going to have to do in order okay. to do this. But she probably knows at this point that um, Egwene is a wilder, that Egwene can channel because she can feel it from her. Okay, and that's what I was going to say. But given the information that you just said, that I guess for me kind of explains why she singles Egwene out in this episode and takes her, you know, she takes her into the forest and she kind of talks to her about using the one power and what they can and cannot do with it. Um, One of the things that she says, the three oaths that she talks about um, with them, she says the three oaths are to speak no word that is not true, to make no weapon with which one person may kill another and to never use the one power as a weapon, except in the last extreme defense of her life or the life of her warder or another Aes Sedai. Or or to, or to defend or to kill shadow spawn or dark. Oh, they didn't say that in the show. They didn't though. say that. Yeah. They didn't yeah. say it in the show, but yeah. that that is it's actually never using one power as a weapon except against Shadow Spawn and Dark Friends. And in the last defense of yourself, a warder, not your warder, a warder, mm-hmm. or another Aes Sedai. Oh, okay. So Okay, so I wonder if they changed that wording specifically for the show because she specifically said, or the life of her warder. Because I thought about that when she said it, when she was talking about what they can use it as. And I was like, okay, so they're very specific. She can use it for defense of her own person. She can use it in defense of her warder 
or another Aes Sedai. So if she's just out in the forest and someone is attacking another person that it, that does not fall in one of those three car- categories, does that mean she can't use the one power to save them? And I was thinking about what she did at the village and I was like, well, technically speaking, she was using it to save herself and land because the Trollocs were also coming after them. So the fact that she used the one power and pretty much saved the whole village you could kind of that that falls in that gray area because technically well, she's there and Lan is there. But they but they left out the part about the first part of that third oath is except against Shadow Spawn and Dark Friends. Okay. You can use it against Shadow Spawn and Dark Friends, and there there's no justification behind it. Okay, so, so since killed, they haven't since they haven't they really talked about that in the show explain specifically what a what did you say a shadow spawn and dark friend because i know the term dark friend is used later on in the episodes but they don't necessarily explain what it is it's kind of it's one of those things where the context that they use it you can kind of figure out what they mean but just explain what is a shadow spawn and what is a dark friend specifically shadow spawn are the trollocs Mm -hmm. and the merdral who are the the fades who are in charge of the okay. okay so that thing without the eyes the eyeless they're mergels so they're also shadow spawn so anything that the dark one has created okay um dark friends are people who are um humans who are in league with the dark mm. one who are doing the dark one's bidding okay they're called dark friends okay okay that, that, and that's pretty much it but i can understand why they kind of left that out when she explained it because that's mm-hmm. kind of a lot to handle for for her for Iguana. Okay. that would be kind okay. of a lot just say oh, yeah i can use it as long as i use it against you know defending myself from my ward or that stuff then she doesn't have to explain what dark friends are and what trollocs are and what right. shadow spawn are well, okay. Here, here, here's the thing. Okay, so I, I know what the I, I know what the dark friends are and all that, but are and I haven't seen past episode four. Ha, is is there any connection to the way that they portray them on the show versus how they are in the book? Because there's some there's another part of that dark friend thing that I was curious about. Are they in control of their service or are they not? Or is can it be both? What, I don't understand the question. Meaning, in the book, it's alluded to that they may have started out as willing participants, being a dark friend, but somewhere along the line, they get taken over by the 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 dark lords, for lack of a better word, and they no longer are in control of their actions. They literally have to do what he tells them to do because they are no longer in possession of their uh, willingness. Once once you bargain with the dark one and he gives you access to the true source, then you basically belong to him. That's what I thought, okay. And it's not necessarily, you, you, it's almost like if he takes it away from you, it, it hurts you, he can hurt you. Right, mm. okay. Because okay. you're not, you can't all of a sudden change your mind and be like, you know, I don't wanna do this anymore. He's like, no, 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 no. You belong to me and you're gonna do what I ask you to do. So once you join yeah. the evil league of evil, you're in for good. Once you join, you're in for good. Okay. okay. <laughs> Once, once you're in, and you know, there are characters who have joined and they have some decent intentions. Um, but there's a there's a lot involved, and I don't want to go into it right now because I don't know how they're going to do it on the show. 
Okay. 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 Um, moving on. So since you mentioned Perrin, let's talk about him because I do have questions. Um, so throughout the episode, as they're on the run from the Trollocs, you can hear wolves in the background, which, you know, I didn't think much of at first. And then there are a couple of times during the episode where Perrin looks like he's in pain and he sits down, he rolls his leg, uh, leg sleeve up. And you see that there are, I guess, claw marks in his, uh, in his lower leg. And then there's one part where they are, they're kind of taking shelter. He's at the river, he's uh, getting them fresh water and he pulls up the, the leg sleeve again, because the, um, it, it, it looks like one, it looks like it's not healing. And then as he's there, he gets approached by this large group of wolves. And at first they're very hostile towards him. And then they kind of calm down. And then the leader of the pack approaches him, licks his wound, and then they all run away. And I was looking at this like, what just happened? But I have one question. Um, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is like just coincidence or not. Is there anything significant about the fact that his scar on his leg is shaped like an F? Is that or is that just something that's just there? That's just something that's there. Okay. Mike, what's your question? I don't have a question. I have a theory. No, I was gonna say you have a theory, don't you? Okay. It's quite I mean, it's kind of obvious, and I know. I'm probably wrong, but I've been banking on this since I watched it. And Perrin is like my favorite, even even though I think Perrin for some reason became my favorite character in all this because mm-hmm. he's a werewolf. The F is the F. The F is the F stands for feral. He's feral. I mean, it's okay. for Fenris Wolf. <laughs> First question: How far have you watched into this? Season? I've watched that. I haven't watched that far. So, I mean, but I think I think there's something to him it seems like he there's some if it's not if he's not a wolf man or he's not becoming like something wolf-like i think mm-hmm. there's something i've i haven't watched them all because i'm a glutton for punishment and i like being wrong and have you guys say oh that's oh cool mike yeah that's a really good theory then i get blown out of the water and y'all like well i mean i don't know you don't want us to tell you but i digress um there, there was a part when they were when they were they were making camp where he where Perrin was at the fire and the fire mm-hmm. was burning and it went one way, then it reversed and went the other way. I don't know if anyone noticed that. I didn't. It was it was kind of weird. I, I'm wondering if it I'm see, of course, me being being the conspiracy theorist of the group, I was like, does he have control over that? Like, or is that just like a weird editing? move but it's like he was sitting there he was like inhaling deeply and exhaling deeply then he looked at his wound and i'm like did he do that does he have like like control over that like did he rewind like it was kind of weird but i just think that because that what what the wolf did to his wound when he was at the river is kind Mm -hmm. of indicative of what other wolves do when when a wolf is hurt then the and the other another wolf sees that sees the wound they lick the wound in order to help it heal and that's kind of that's kind of a dog slash wolf thing so okay. and it's like it's how they look out for each other like you know like they don't want it to get infected so they clean it for them especially if they have a long way to go so 
That's why I think he's with his kindred. So that's my theory. Okay. Now, as far as the fire thing, I did not notice that. I will go back and look and see if that happened. But if something like that happened, you know, where the fire was going one way or the other, technically speaking, if he if he can channel the one power, is that something that he would be able to do, Anthony? Like control that element? Like I'm not, I'm still not sure how the one power works completely but do they have control of the elements well i i do know that moraine said something to Egwene when she was kind of teaching her about the possibility of be- becoming an Aes Sedai and she said something about what ha- you know she asked her what happens when you uh hear the wind and then she says it's not you listening to the wind it's the wind that listens to you is that something that could happen with fire as well if Perrin has that power? They're, they're benders, of course. Okay. <laughs> Earth, fire, wind, water, and spirit. Okay. Okay. Just like in, you know, the Scurvy Witches, just like in any fantasy thing where there's magic. Okay. And and just like in the Scurvy Witches, you have to take, you know, fire, it's how you weave it together, which mm-hmm. creates the spells. Um Men, if I remember, are stronger in fire and earth, and okay. women are stronger in air and water. Okay. Um, but all the weaves, they call them weaves, all the weaves that they learn are some combination of those elements put together. Okay. Some people are stronger in those elements than others. Um, healers are really strong in spirit because that that is what promotes the healing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, that makes sense. Um, okay so to answer your question yes if he were able to channel that would be something that he would be able to control okay now just saying let's let's put this out there i'm not saying mike's uh theory is right or wrong because honestly i don't know i will say this i've watched through the end of the first season and anything that i've seen does not i don't i don't think I don't know how werewolves would be depicted in this in this particular um, story. So I'm not sure how well your theory works, Mike. But let's just say for the sake of argument, Perrin is a werewolf or something to that effect. Would he be able to be that and a, a channeler? Is that something that that exists in this series? Like people who are shapeshifter, shapeshifters and can channel. Is that a thing? I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, without being spoilery, can you answer that question? <laughs> um, I think theoretically, mm-hmm. yes. Okay. Because I mean, it's um, fantasy. The, I mean. Well, yeah. The, the problem is, is that for 3,000 years, male channelers have been executed. So I don't know of any female that was a shapeshifter or a channeler. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, and a channeler. Okay. Um, and if there were any males that could do it, we never would have known because they were killed. Right. Okay. Um, also, I wanted to mention this too. Any female or any woman that or female or girl that Maureen would have come across that could have channeled mm-hmm. she would have had them taken to the tower 
Okay. Um, all channel any woman who could channel, no matter what age they are, are sent to the tower. Okay. Um, other than the story Nynaeve told when I, I don't know what was going on at the tower then, but they sent the girl back, the woman that she said was her mentor, because mm-hmm. I guess she was raggedy and dirty or whatever, and they sent her back okay. <laughs> because because sometimes depending on who's running the tower it is sort of like it's not like the white clothes but it's like it's a noble thing nobility mm. you know to to be able to channel you have to be sort of an important person so they turn their nose up at peasants or that sort yeah. of thing mm. and which is terrible because what happens to them is is very like very much like in harry potter when you have this power and no one teaches you how to use it you end up destroying yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um usually after the first time someone channels they'll start getting headaches um they can draw too much of it into themselves and and burn themselves out and kill okay themselves. yes mm-hmm. so a lot of wilders end up dying it's very rare that they um continue on and one of the things that we see in the trailer for the show you see the ceremony in the beginning they have the ceremony where naive push Egwene into the mm-hmm. water and that was basically a representation of teaching her how to control the flow, like how to control, you know, just ride with the water. The 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 more you fight it, the harder it is. So if you mm. just let, let it take over you and let it, you know, take you down the stream, that's something that their culture uses to teach women how to control that part of themselves. Okay. So they don't die. Okay. Um, men, boys who can channel, they steal them or they end up dying anyway because they go okay. they go mad and but they got to get to them before they get really powerful or else bad things happen. Okay, okay. So I don't. Uh, but that, does that answer your question? I I don't know. Yeah. About shape shifting and channeling. Mm-hmm. Um, That's just something we'll just have to see because you just have to. You just have to see. Yeah. You just have to. Okay. See. So you're saying there's, there's a chance. <laughs> you just have to see. But always, my, but mind you, in different, we've had different authors in different series interpret werewolves in different ways. Mm-hmm. Like even the werewolves in in, um, like we discover in Twilight that they're not really werewolves; they're shapeshifters. Mm-hmm. Which, which, you know, is is was one of the hardest things to get people to wrap their head around. Wait, they're not really werewolves? No, they're shapeshifters. Mm-hmm. The werewolves are completely different, and the vampires are scared of werewolves mm-hmm. because they're more powerful than they are. That's why they're almost all gone, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the werewolves in Harry Potter are different mm-hmm. than whereas traditional in, werewolves. Whereas in the Discovery of Witches, there are no werewolves at all, and that we know of. That we that we know of. Well, I've read yeah. book three, but my thing is okay. is that. Uh, I was looking I was somewhere and I guess the problem is is that not her particularly Deborah Harkness but a lot of people when they're writing fantasy they want to stay away from werewolves because they think they've been or shapeshifted because they've been used so much and when you think of the holy trinity of horror you think vampire which is werewolves mm-hmm. so they're basically twilight did a lot of damage okay uh, uh, let's just it did it did a lot of damage on people using werewolves as main characters for a long time because of the bad taste that left everyone's mouth. So a lot of writers of modern fantasy, not just this, but various other fantasies, they 
are leery to go there. And I don't think that the trend is going to change for another maybe 10 years because it was just. But this, whether he's a werewolf or not or a shapeshifter or not, I think that the whole thing is telling that he might at the very least have some sort of, you know, like how some people have like affinity for animals. They may not be quote unquote an animal themselves, but they're mm-hmm. sensitive. I think watching this, I think he's sensitive. Okay animals and that he has an affinity for them and it might be something different than him being a werewolf or shapeshifter okay that makes sense too or it could just be this author's interpretation of what a werewolf would be that's true that's true yeah okay all right let's let's move on because i gotta talk about this the scene where Rand pulls that damn bat out of his throat that was so disgusting ill can we give a shout out to the special effects people yeah (laughs) because that was legit that was it was like i'm looking at it like oh he just really pulled it back his mouth but um he he ends up doing that because um you know they've all taken refuge he's asleep he's gone you know outside of the cave to have some time to himself some you know for whatever reason and um he wakes up he has this little cough and then he starts choking he pulls this bat out of his mouth and then he looks up and the dark one is standing in the forest or at least that that's who i thought it was because it was a guy he didn't look like one of the regular fades and he had glowing uh as matt said amber eyes and then he wakes up and it's a, he, he realizes it's a dream, but then he looks and there is a bat in front of him on the ground. So it's kind of like one of those where did that really happen or not? And then as he's walking towards everyone else, there are dead bats on the ground. And apparently all of them have had a dream with the bats and seeing the dark man. Now we don't hear what um, Egwene's dream is. We don't hear what parents is we do know that they both saw the dark man matt says very specifically about his dream he says that there were there were dozens of bats and they all had their necks broken kind of like someone was standing there and breaking their necks midair so i'm just kind of like i feel like in a way it's kind of sort of telling that rand and matt's dreams were the only two that were shared out of the four. Maybe that's just me looking too too much into things, but I'm like, that doesn't bode well, at least if, as far as I can see. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so y'all told us theirs and y'all didn't tell us the other two. But I mean, we we've seen, we saw the other two being focused on in different ways in this episode. You know, Gwaine possibly being, uh, Aes Sedai or being able to be Aes Sedai and then pairing with his may or may not be animal sensitive slash werewolf slash whatever but the fact that they are looking for the person who can who is the dragon reborn and they're saying that the dragon reborn will either fix the world or could possibly break it again and then we see these two visions or we hear about these two visions from these two people I'm just kind of like yeah those two i think are the possibilities as far as being the dragon reborn 
and one of them is going to fix things and one of them is going to break them. And at this point, I'm not sure which way it's going to go. But was I the only person who thought that as far as the dreams go, like, why are y'all focusing on dreams of just those two? What did parent dream about? What did Egwene dream about? See, I look at it differently. I, I feel like Rand and Matt are the two that will that overshare. And Perrin doesn't really tell people about what's going on inside his head. I mean, and hell, he hadn't he hadn't told her, he hadn't told her anyone that he killed his wife accidentally. Yeah. So I, I looked at it that way that that Matt is gonna blab and tell everything he saw in his dream, and Rand is too, because you know, Rand is Rand. Okay. Wayne's not gonna say anything because she's not gonna want to say it out loud, and Perrin doesn't share it all. So okay. but I, I understand why I understand why you would say that. I'm just it, it does because if you think about it, if you look at it, yeah, Perrin seems to be special. Rand seems to be maybe different in some way. Egwene, we know, is different. Well, what's special about Matt? He's a degenerate gambler. He can't keep his hands to himself. He doesn't follow instructions. Um... But see, those are all like the bad qualities, I feel like. <laughs> like, Matt has a some good... Guy. Yeah, he has some very good qualities about himself. You know, he's very care. He's very compassionate, especially when it comes to like his sisters. He's very protective. He's very selfless when it comes to them. And I feel like maybe with this group too, with his friends, he could be as well. But again, we're only in the second second episode, so I'm not quite sure where Matt fits into all of this. But it's like we see. We know that there's a bigger story. Of course, there's going to be a bigger story with Rand and Egwene, whether they're together or not, because those two, I feel like those are the main two people of the group. Um, Perrin seems like his, his story or whatever journey he's going to go on within this, uh, within this story is more so going to be by himself. Um, especially in light of the fact that, like you said, he doesn't share much. Like we don't really know much about him except for the little bit we saw of him in the first episode. But again, we know that all four of these people share a close bond. They appear to be best friends and will, you know, have each other's backs, but with something this big looming over their heads, like potentially one of you has the ability and will probably either fix the world or destroy the world. The, That's a huge burden to be placing on one person. And then what does that mean for the other three who don't fulfill that prophecy? You the know, old, the old blood runs deep in Manithrin. <laughs> I mean, yeah. just going back to um, Moraine, the song they were singing mm-hmm. about um Manethrin, mm-hmm. that's where the two rivers is that was one of the 10 kingdoms that stood against the dark one mm-hmm. when the trollic wars when the trollics invaded Manethrin was a thorn in the side of the dark one they were a very powerful kingdom them in Aridhold, which is shadow logarth which we get to later mm-hmm. and king amon held his ground against the Trolloc army, he and his army held the ground and they asked for help and they were waiting for help and help did not come. 
and they were really only supposed to be able to hold for a day, but every day they held and they held for about nine days before he realized that their help was not coming. Mm-hmm. And then when he sent riders to tell them to evacuate the city, evacuate the capital city into the mountains, mm-hmm. um, most of the people, the adults, women and men, they came to the field to fight mm-hmm. while the children and elderly went into the mountains. Right. And so they held until they were all dead. Which and was another his, four days. Which was another four days. And then his wife, um, the queen, Eldrin, she was Aes Sedai. He married an Aes Sedai. Because, of course, you know, most of the queens at the time were Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. Because they married them off. And she happened to be the most powerful channeler at that time. Um, side note, the reason why Hilf didn't come is the current Armelin seat was jealous of her from when they were children. Mm. And she did everything she could to not let Hilf get there. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and, and I'm pulling a little bit from the book, so I'm not going to go into spoilers, but isn't the Armelin seat usually batshit crazy? No. Most of them? Or is it just no. a few? There's a few. But they been. are jealous. They can be because they're still people. Right. And her jealousy of Eldrain goes back to when they were children and jealous of how powerful Eldrain was. Okay, and because... um, there could be a debate made that maybe she was a dark friend. Um, uh, I, okay. I don't think so. But um, either way, um, Hilp did not come. Eldrain felt him die because she had bonded him as a warder. So when he died, she felt it. Oh, okay. 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 Good. okay. All right. Okay. okay. I wondered about that. Talk- yeah, she bought. Yeah, that's how. Yeah, she, she didn't did say that. She just said that Eld- Queen Eldrin felt her husband die, but yeah, she had bonded him as a warder. Ah, which opens up a whole different can of worms that we might want to get want want to get into right now. But yeah, and then she she held she pulled in as much of the one power as any person had ever at that point, mm-hmm. and released it all. And basically destroy the entire Trolloc army, killing herself in the process. Mm-hmm. And that turned the tide of the war because most of the Trolloc army was gone. Right, right. And then, of course, we find out later on that um, after Sha- uh, the city that was Shadow Lag- Shadow Lagoth, 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 Lagoth. Mm-hmm. After they did not send help, when the um, you know the the remaining survivors came to the city for shelter this whole city was pretty much i won't even say abandoned it's it like every, everyone deserted it's kind of like and and no one knows what happened to them um what was it that Lance said it is said that evil itself consumed the city and i was like that's karma incarnate if mm-hmm. ever i saw it right. like oh y'all y'all promised these people aid and then you didn't send it you know, I guess being, I don't know, maybe being selfish, uh, you know, or like you said, the jealousy part, like, oh, yeah, I'm jealous of her. She has all this power. She she can do it herself or whatever. But whatever happened, karma, the universe, whatever was like, oh, this is how you want to act. Bet. Vanish. Vanish. Be gone. Be gone. Everybody just disappears. And I tell you, when they entered the city for shelter from the Trollocs, 
the quietness of the city versus them talking like when they were saying when a parent was saying listen there's no birds no bugs no like the silence in that city that was eerie it felt different even just watching that like it's I don't know it's very unsettling just how quiet it was yeah scary I have a question (laughs) yes okay so when they were when they ended up getting chased and they were approaching the city when they got like close to the city their horses wouldn't go any further and then when they looked back the trollocs wouldn't even come close to where they were they wouldn't even Mm -hmm. come closer then why not just camp outside the city because they wouldn't approach them they weren't getting any any closer than that There, there was no way i mean i just think i feel like instead of going in the city which i as soon as they said something about a a demon city i was like oh god here we go these someone's getting ready to fuck up i was like y'all keep don't I was lie like, it was not someone you knew who was going to be the one to fuck oh, up hell yeah 100 100 100 i knew it was going to be mad i knew it but it's I, I like, would say i would say the trollocs were probably looking like okay let's let's wait and see what they're gonna do are they gonna go in the city or are they gonna stay outside because if they stay outside we'll get them but and see, that's what I was, thought too. There was no reason to approach if they were just going to run inside. So they I, just I, I don't know. I, 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 and I went and made popcorn because I knew it was going to be good. <laughs> I don't know. I just, just, I just think that. Yeah. I honestly just think that they weren't going to go. I mean, they really sensed how bad that city was, and they were going to get oh. closer than they really needed to. And I don't oh, think they really wanted to get that close either. The shadow farm had had actually stationed the battalion there once and was never oh. heard from again. So they knew, they oh. know, they know not to go there. Okay. That's yeah, not something they was... see in the show. That's from the books, but. Yeah, no, yeah they... the books are like, you know, if they, you know, the world's biggest do not cross, do not enter sign, they should have posted it right there in front of the city. I mean, they were like, nope, not going to do it. Oh, well, why not? But then something, well, you see what happens because we see it in this episode, kind of mm-hmm. what happens. And the thing is, is that, I'm sitting there, like I said, I made popcorn because I was like, oh, this is going to go down. The, the only problem I had and I'm having with this series is because I've read so much fantasy, it's sort of like a, like I said, I think the first episode, you have your list. Oh, they entered the forest. Tick. You, they enter this. Tick. You're just checking it off as you watch the episodes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think to like, answer... Like um, um, the Mise of Moria in yeah. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yep, exactly, yep. Yeah, I think to answer your question, Mike, I feel like, yeah, they probably could have camped outside the city, but just because the Trollocs won't cross past a certain point doesn't mean that an arrow or spear or axe thrown would not pass, you know? Okay. They could have yeah. sat there and, you know thrown stuff or whatever um so i think it was probably it could have let me say it could have been safer for them in the city um because if you think about the circumstances of how those people disappeared i don't think any of our people would have um would have attracted that kind of energy force whatever you want to call it but matt not Mm. only being just 
curious about things, but I, I feel like there's a little bit of an undercurrent with Matt where he might be jealous of the others. I don't know why, but he just seems to me like he just, I don't know. This goes back again to what I said earlier about him and Rand, you know, possibly being one, you know, one of the two being the dragon reborn because of what their potential is. I just feel like whatever darkness is in Matt, it attracted that little, I don't know what we want to call it, shadow blob, or I, I don't know what to call it, but whatever, you know, he started, I think he was hearing voices or he was hearing something or he was seeing something almost like something was leading him to the knife. And when he got to that blade, I was like, man, don't pick it up. I know you're about to pick it up, but don't pick it up. Don't pick it up. This just don't pick it up. And then what happened when he picked it up and everything started going haywire, I was just like, I, I actually paused my TV like, who's about to die? Because I really thought somebody was about to die first. Other than the horses. Um, yeah, that scene reminded me of Aladdin when when Abu grabbed the big gemstone. And <laughs> yes. it was like, he was like, God, you have for me. And he tried to put it back and it just melts it away. And it was like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I was like, or kind hmm. of like when, uh, when, uh, who was it? Somebody, uh, probably Jonathan in uh, the Mummy, when they were touching all the, you know, the stuff yeah. they weren't supposed to touch stuff. Yeah, it was kind of like that. Mm-hmm. But I just or in Lord of the Rings, where Pippin hit the the thing and alerted all the orcs to their location. Oh yes, yes, he did do that. Yeah, again, that's one of those like common things. Like somebody is supposed to somebody is going to touch something they're not supposed to touch and then all hell breaks loose and literally it and and it didn't help in this because everybody has to split moraine is practically comatose at this point so it's not like she's going to be any help or she can't even get herself out of the situation they have to carry her and all this other stuff and it's just like (sighs) so you get uh you get matt and rand separated by themselves and then you have Perrin and Egwene and then you have Lan and Moraine all of them have to get out of the city which thankfully they all make it out but they're all separated now like it's almost like they came out on three different sides of the city and there's no way for them to kind of like find each other at this point so they're just separated and Lan, of course, is trying to check on Moraine and make sure she's okay. And who comes out of woods? Not Nave. She's mm-hmm. alive. And I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. Like, my thing is, how the hell did you escape from a trolley? So Na- I need Na- to know Na- that. Nynaeve is that bitch. Y'all just don't yeah. know. Na- Na- I mean, she seems like it. <laughs> I mean, just her attitude. She's just like, okay. Um. Where where are my people? Where are my friends? Yes, yeah, so you take me to them now, or I'll kill you. Right, <laughs> and I believe it too. <laughs> right, I mean, because think about it. For real, she had she got taken off by a trolley, and she's alive, and it almost looks like she's un for the most part unscathed. Yeah, she didn't kill some folks. She didn't kill some things. Maybe not people. She didn't kill. She didn't kill a trolley or two in order to get there. But I'm like. If you think about it, that means she had to have been following them the whole time. Because how do you all all of a sudden, like they have literally traveled across the country on horses. 
you know, trying to get away from those Trollocs. Like, first of all, how does she get around the army of Trollocs? Because they had them at the um, the ferry crossing. There was the whole army there. So she had to get across the river somehow. How does she? I just have so many questions. So many questions. <laughs> so many questions. Like, what did you do? Where are you? You can't just be a normal uh what did they call her uh wisdom Wisdom. yeah there has to be more to her at this point well well i i i i saw it and i was like okay this is interesting and then i had the same questions but then again i was also like in in not spoiling in the book first book she's just pissed off enough that she's like, I'm not letting them out of their sight no matter what. I'm going to go find them. I'm going to go get them. And I'm going to bring them back to the village. Okay, that, mm-hmm. that's her whole mindset in the first book. I'm not, that's all I'm saying. I'm not going to anything else. Mm-hmm. So seeing it translate the screen, she would have done just about anything to get them back, not because she cares about them, because they pissed her off because they left in the first place. See, she... My theory is, is that she takes her job because she's so young to be a wisdom. She's about 10 years younger than a wisdom should be in a village. She's very sensitive to the fact that she's got to feel that she has to prove herself over and over to the people around her that she's worthy to do the job. Okay. So her personal sense of responsibility is override anything crazy or crazy-ish to get things done. So I was not surprised to see her. I was more along the lines of, okay, she made it through, she survived, and she's going to bring them back, and she's going to tell Moraine to kick rocks, and that's all it's it for. I don't think that's she's going to be that's that how polite. She is. Well, that's how she I, is throughout the whole series of books. Kind of figured she, that. She is responsible for them. Yeah. They are her responsibility, mm-hmm. and she's going to do whatever it takes mm-hmm. to make sure that they're okay. Yep. Even if she has to push Moraine around, she'll do it. Oh, I get the feeling that she and Moraine later on have very interesting conversations. I don't know about conversations. I'm like, I feel like there's going to be a, like a confrontation between those two. It just, I don't know. She just, she gives off that. I, get, I don't know. She gives off that vibe. Like I, she wants to kick somebody's butt. And I think at this point, Moraine is probably like the biggest target, but of course, Moraine is kind of, out of commission right now so i don't know maybe her and lana fight all i'm saying is that and i haven't gone any further than what i told you guys i have a feeling that in the next couple of books if she gets any amount of power she might be able to kick maureen's ass that's all i'm saying just because she's angry doesn't mean the most powerful person in the room doesn't always win the fight that's the smartest true person in the room wins the fight that's true that's true but um, yeah i don't know I, I was gonna say something, but I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything. Don't so be spoilers. No don't spoiling. Spoiling. And, and Anthony, you 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 realize that I've been very good this episode. <laughs> We're gonna give Lori a hand because I know she. Had, the, I know she's chomping at the bit. The, the cool thing is, th- there are a lot of people who. There are some people who don't really like the show, especially the book readers. And that's because they all say, "Oh, it's not like the show. It's not like the show." Where they've changed this. They've changed that. Only about so far, seventy percent to eighty percent of what we've seen has not happened in the book. It's all original. That's a lot, though. Mm-hmm. It is a lot, but they get across 
a lot of the things that you would have gotten to this point. Okay. Like the story of Menethrin wasn't told the way it was told there. It was okay. told in a different way in the book. Okay. Um, there, there characters that we have met that we haven't met yet that we would have already met. Okay. They come later. It, there's some things. My point, I guess, what I'm trying to say is it doesn't bother me because I'm still getting the same information and the same story that I would have gotten from the book. It's just being told in a different way. Okay. No, and the best comment I've seen in the in the in the Facebook group was just think of this as just another turning of the wheel. Like some of this stuff has happened before, it's, ha- it's gonna happen again, it's happening now. Just imagine this is just a different version of 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 the wheel. And I'm yeah. like that that seems appropriate for this content. Yeah, I think we're in the same Facebook group. I, I think I saw that too. But did you also see the thing that they floated yesterday, which blew my mind? I was like, I had to take my brain out and think about it for season two. They're flirting with the idea of just writing it from the writer's room and not using any source material at all. You're just gonna run with it. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset with that. Because they've done they've done a pretty good job of 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 not trying to stick to everything that happened in the book is it's not possible because it's what 13 books that's a lot that is yeah. a lot and you can't unlike like the expanse which has got six seasons which is ending next week i'm so sad um they're ending the expanse right at just about book seven of the nine which i'm not a, i'm not mad about but with this with the 13 14 books and with sanderson finishing the books you would have to do 13 seasons and the expanse was booked out for 10 wheel of time possibly might get six the same amount of time with that and with eight to ten episodes or 12 episodes or whatever they decide you're not going to be able to tell everything from the books all the way through yeah i was gonna say i I don't think so because it this season was only eight episodes right and they and i haven't finished i got four left but based off of my experience with the expanse the first one two three the first four seasons of the expanse did manage to get every book that season was supposed to be in and they Mm. got everything in but when they got to seasons five and now season six because they did a time jump spoiler they're having cram and do stuff when i haven't watched it until it's all over so with wheel of time i'm thinking that the first two seasons it's gonna do what they're gonna do then when you get to season four season five you're you're really going to have to wrap up the Sanderson stuff in a way that's going to give it a good ending because when you do these long books it's hard to get everything that fan wants fan service in it's hard to get it get it together um i think they're going to take their cue from lord of the rings winter mm, is coming mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not lord of the rings um game, game of thrones, thrones. Mm. because the difference is they 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 got to a point in the Game of Thrones where they had to make up stuff. Yeah, that's true. Because, <laughs> because they surpassed the books. They mm-hmm. the books. Got those Here, books. they have the books. Right. They know where the story ends. They know all the major events that happen. Mm-hmm. So they can they can they can literally just look at the outline of the remaining books and say these are the only points that we have to hit. And everything else, they can adapt and interpret however they want to, because they know where the story is going. Okay. And and I don't have a problem with that as long as they keep with 
keep with what's happening. I mean, I was a little bit thrown off by, you know, I, I have watched, like Hanukkah, I watched the whole thing. I was a little bit thrown by the end, but it makes sense Ooh. in a TV okay. format versus okay. what happened in the book. Okay. Um, and even up until this point, all this, the Shadow Logos stuff, they can't, there are things that they just can't do that's in the books. They just can't do it because it would take forever and it would be boring. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. like the way they've done it in the show. Okay. Because it's 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 the same stuff. Like all the characters are exact, except for Matt, all the characters are exactly how they are in the book. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't know why they're doing Matt this way. I think they have some alternate plan for him. I don't know if it's because the actor's going to change, but I don't like how Matt is being portrayed and it really bothers me. That's the only thing that I don't really like about the show. Now, did he okay. leave because he got fired or did he or he had another project to bring somebody else in or was the pandemic? I don't think they've they said it yet. Said. They, haven't they haven't said, said. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, okay. the character that I'm waiting to see, which shows up in episode five, is a certain orc, which I can't wait to see how they did because I saw one picture and I didn't agree with it because it didn't fit the way I thought he should look from the reading the book. Oh, dear. Yes, there you go. Yeah. No. Oh. They can't make they can't make him look like he does in the book. But it would have been awesome. <laughs> they don't they don't have that kind of money. I know they don't have that kind of money. <laughs> yeah, but um so yeah, uh let's see. Is there anything else we need to mention from this episode? Talk about I just um I I am I am of the impression that Rand, even if he is the dragons, whatever is soft i'm about tired of him already it's like i just why i knew because you'd say that because he because he's like he's all in his feelings about about Egwene, about about everybody all about about how he's been treated and how like he went to go be alone then then she came out there to lay, lay to lay with him and keep him coming he was like i just want to be alone and then he doesn't talk to her. I mean, I understand you. I understand like he's being all like standoffish, but it's like if you, I mean, you just he just really got on my nerves. I mean, think about it. This is the this this is a guy who pretty much I guess him and Egwene had had taught. They had like envisioned how their life was going to be, and that all of a sudden she decides she wants to train for wisdom, which not only affects her, it affects him too, and then. Before he can even process that and really like come to accept it, your village is attacked, your father is attacked, and then you're told, oh yeah, you may be this legendary dragon reborn, and now we have to take you away from everything you've ever known, and you have to flee for your life. That's and, and we have to remember these these people are only 20 years old. That's a lot for him to have to deal with. But I think even with all of that, the fact that He's asking for space. He's, I mean, think about it. We've talked about this before. And I think we even talked about it when we talked about the first episode of this um, series. In terms of people in relationships and dealing with difficulties in relationships or whatever, the fact that they can have conversations and he can be like, okay, you know what? I came out here because I needed time to myself. And she got up and she was like, oh, okay, cool. And then he was like, he was trying to apologize. And she was like, no, I understand. The fact that they can even do those kinds of things, that's so different because usually 
people always get offended like oh no i just want some time to myself oh fine what there it's a lot healthier than we've seen in relationships in most of what we watch you know yeah he's gonna be upset i mean this is the person you thought you was going to marry and have children with. And all of a sudden you realize that that's not a possibility. Who doesn't need time to process that? Who's not going to be a little bit upset about that, but he's not really going off about her. Yeah. He had his one little outburst. Like, yeah, you already did that. When she says, um, you know, she's kind of going off on him about how he's treating Moraine. But again, this is a woman who y'all didn't even know a week ago. She has, she came into your village and in his mind, you come into the village and then immediately afterwards, we get attacked by trollocs. Then we get taken away, told that we have this possible destiny. You're not giving us any information, you know, like we talked about at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, I can understand him being the way that he's being because he's like, look, you got me running for my life and I don't even know what the fuck I'm running for. Like, give me a little more information. And then on top of that, I got to deal with this relationship stuff too. I'm still worried about the people back home and you are being very vague and very evasive. He has a right to feel like that, but he's not, I don't feel like he's being the way you're saying, like he's being all whiny and stuff. I think he's having very realistic reactions to everything that's going on around him. And in a lot of ways, he's still showing a semblance of maturity because he's not being childish. They're dealing with a whole bunch of stuff. And he's like, okay, look, you want to sit here and be vague when we're asking you questions? No, damn it. Tell us what's going on. What are we getting ourselves into? I mean, they just watched her sink a boat and the ferryman because the ferryman was concerned about his family. And granted, I understand why she did it. But if you're looking at it from that point of view, like this dude just helped us. He told you that he's concerned about his son and his family. And instead of trying to find ways to help him, you sink his boat, which probably is his only means of income. And because he tried to save it, he ends up dying as well. I don't blame Rand for the way he's acting because at this point, if I was on that trip with Moraine acting the way that she's acting, I would have a lot of questions too. And then of course, with them being the men, I feel like she's being purposefully more evasive with them because like Anthony said, she can't sense their power. She doesn't know what they're capable of. All she knows is one of these four has the power to either save the world or completely destroy it. So yeah, I'm going to keep y'all at arm's length for right now while we try to figure this out. I don't think his reaction is inappropriate at all. I think he has, I, I think he has, he's more than justified for acting the way he's acting. He could be acting worse. He could be more childish. He could be going off on Egwene all the time. He could be going off on Moraine way more than he is. But I think he's kind of, while he's dealing with the shock of everything, I think he's still like being reasonable. You, you may be right, Hanukkah, but I still agree with Mike on this. <laughs> he's a oh, whiny, bratty uh, well, kid. Mm, mm, well, at least he's not whining about his dad every five minutes. Oh my god. <laughs> let's, not talk, let's, let's not talk yeah, about that. Okay. All right. <laughs> She's talking about the book. Every yeah, every it, other paragraph. Every other paragraph is really dead. Hmm. Okay. Like, I'm just like I'm I'm just saying, like, look, look at it like this. At that moment, 
um, the one that was teaching her was gone. As far as they knew, she was dead. So there, there was a good chance that she might not actually get to go through with her teachings. And there's still a chance of that. So, I mean, I feel like his reactions were just kind of childish. When you say there's still a chance of that, what do you mean? Of like her going through with her wisdom training. like. It, like oh, okay. Yeah. Like I if, mean, if, they, if they ever go back to the two right. Yeah, but like I said, there's no guarantee of that. There's no guarantee that they could they'll ever go back home. Yeah, she's already said home. that. I don't think they'll. I I don't think that they'll ever go back home. I think they have the idea, but I get the impression. And if you can correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, you can tell me if I'm wrong too. But the impression I got is that once once they pick you, that's it. Sort of like in the Valdemar series when the Herald picks you. And your companion chooses you to be a herald. That's it. You no longer go. You can go back and visit your family, but you belong to the king and the heralds. Same thing in this. You belong to the Aes Sedai. You can't get out of it. You can't quit. That's what you are for life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any, yeah. Any but I mean, that, yeah. Any woman that they come across, they're they're gonna take them to the tower for the most part. Yeah. So. I don't know. We'll we'll have to see, but I, I I think the whole thing with Rand and 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 the other three. I think we need to. I don't know. I think I feel more comfortable as far as how I view all of them once we get a little bit more of the story because I think even though right now we're two episodes in I don't think we know enough about the characters individually for me to say okay well this is how this person is this is how this person is I think we're seeing a lot of of surface stuff and I think we're seeing a lot of who they are based on what's going on around them with Rand, like I said, I think he's just reacting to everything that's around them. I think um, Egwene is, because she's getting a little bit more information and a little bit more from Moraine, I think that's enough to kind of make her, I won't say blindly follow Moraine, but if you think about it, her purpose back in the, the village is gone because as far as they know, Nynaeve is dead. And that was what she was planning to do. So I think at this point, now she has something, she's being offered a chance at something similar to what she wanted to do. So I think that's enough to keep her following Moraine. Um, Perrin is just, I think Perrin is still in shock, you know, yeah, not Perrin, just from Perrin the attack. Right now. He's, yeah, he's, because he's, he's got a lot of guilt that he's dealing with because, you know, he killed his wife. And even though it was a genuine accident, like, there was a lot going on. You got Trollocs in your house fighting. You and your wife are fighting side by side. And, you know, when she comes up behind him, he thinks it's a Trolloc. And I don't think, you know, that's a mistake anybody could have made. But, you know, he feels a lot of that guilt. And, of course, I don't think he wants to tell them just in case they may blame him as well. Even though I think anybody who hears his story would be like, dude, that was not your fault. Don't don't carry that. But I think right now, He's just, you know, we have to, we always have to have somebody who's broody in the group. And so right now, Perrin fits that bill. And Matt is just kind of like, throws caution to the wind. Like he's very, I feel like he's very much the, um, he is the troublemaker, 
But I also feel like he is the one for the most part that grounds all of them because everybody else is kind of responsible in their own way. And he is as well, but he doesn't have his sisters with him. So now he's more like comic relief, like trying to tie everyone together or trying to be the one, you know, he's the one that talks around, like, don't be an asshole. Like he's the person that's going to kind of ground all of them for now. I don't know what's going to happen now that they're all separated because I think with them being separated into the groups that they're separated into now, we'll start to see a little bit more of their character personalities come out and see what they're really made of. And I think it's going to be really interesting with uh, Rand and Matt, because like I said, I feel like those two are the ones that are kind of like the coin toss. Like, okay, are you the dragon that's going to be good? Or are you the dragon that's going to fuck shit up? I think is between those two. So I think we'll get to see a little bit of that as they, I don't know, I guess journey to find each other. So I don't know, but it, I mean, it's a, it's a very interesting series so far. Um, I, I did join that Facebook group that you talked about, Anthony. And I think I was in that group for less than a day <laughs> and I had to leave it because I was like, if I see one more post, individual post about how this is not like the books, I was like, and I'm thinking, of course, I'm Harry Potter fandom. I'm like, oh my God, is this what we sound like? Where are we this bad? Yeah. I was just like, oh. you should have seen the Dune post in the Dune Facebook group. It was even worse. Oh, no, it. no, that's okay. I, I don't need it because after a while, I got to a point where I knew how to separate the books from the films with Harry Potter. But I, I don't know. I feel like, I, I feel like these people in this Facebook group, they are so much worse because they really <laughs> sound like the wide, like the way you talk about Rand Mike, that's how I felt about some of these people in this group. I was like, Oh my God, un unfollow leave group. I couldn't do it. See, Hanukkah, these it. are the, these are my people. Okay. These are the people who are, who are like me and Anthony, who just basically uh mainline fantasy fiction all the time i mean and i understand that but oh, it was See, just a bit much it's the vocal minority because you know i think most for me i believe most people like me they like the books and they have they kind of like the series too mm-hmm. it's just that you have a, a you have a, a group of people I, I, like I said in the beginning when we first started covering this, I think some of them have ulterior motives as to why they don't like the series yeah. why they don't like the show um, because people were still posting, this is not who I think should have been casted. Right. These are all the different people who should have been casted for this. You know, they were still doing casting things. Like, oh, you know, I don't think she's a good Egwene. They should have put this person. And, you know, of course, I'm not, I'm not going to put the militant hat on, but I'm just saying, I think a lot, of, a lot of people have, they may not be aware of it or cognizant of it, but that's sort of one of the things they don't really, they don't like about the series and they, they just want to, they either aren't aware of it or they don't want to say it out loud. Anybody who does is, that, believe me, they're aware of it. Some yeah, of, and, and some then there's of, some people who yeah. just, they want the books to be portrayed a specific way on the screen exactly how it is in the book and they don't understand that you can't do it that way imagine yeah. imagine how i feel when they did the dresden series even though i love paul blackstone imagine how i felt okay we got one season of dresden 
It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. Okay. Those people, I actually think they disabled that Facebook group because it was just that bad. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, the new group's fine, but yeah, it, it, any type of book that you read, like The Expanse. Now, I didn't read The Expanse until the show came out. I watched the show four or five episodes. Oh, it's a book series went and I got the books, but the the way that they have followed the books and the way that they cast the characters of like say Naoma Nagata or, or Amos Burton, they, they basically found actors that were very, very close to the way that they should look in the book, even down to Bobby and, and Avalosara and all that. But most of those characters in Expanse are POCs, okay? So going in, they had a certain look. And coming out of it, by the end of the first season, they were like, okay, this is Naomi Nagata, this is James Holden, you know, this is Amos Burton, you know, this is Alice Kamal, and it was locked, and they haven't had any issues. The only issues they've had is with the Belters, with the OPA, and how the tattoos and the symbols and all the Bella Wata and all that is different. So that's what they get into. But they don't get into color or colorism because they were told off the gate, Naomi Nagata, African, African descent. Uh, Avalosara, Asian, Indian, right? Okay. So okay. they don't have that in that group. But this group and other fantasy groups, they don't come out and say that such and such and such should be a redhead, but they dance around it enough to get themselves banned for a couple of days or a couple of hours. Then they come back in, they apologize to the admin, they're good for two weeks, and then they go off again. And, you know, it's like, you can either ignore it, you could unlike the group, or you can just go past their post and go on to something else. It's like, keep it moving. So this is a problem that fantasy has is because everything is not like it was, say, even 10 years ago, whereas everybody in the cast was all white. Mm-hmm. Now you've got everybody, which is awesome. Okay. So the people who grew up with Dungeons and Dragons, Dragonlance, uh, Forgotten Realms, you know, and stuff like that, you have in your, you know, the Dark Elf is the only Dark Elf. You know, you've got this, you've got that. They, they have to rewire their brain or not to get on the wagon of this is what life is going to be from now on. Mm. And I'm, why am I waving my arms and pointing and directing? Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you, you see what I'm saying. So it's not us, it's them. They got to get used to the fact that this is what life is like from now on. Okay. You got to get on yeah. the train or if you don't shut up and move on. Yeah, I, I'm part of that, like, shut up and move on at this point. I mean, I know that there are some things that people will complain about. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that because, I mean, if, if you guys listen to me and Anthony talk about uh, last year's release of The Stand, the new miniseries, we complained a lot about what was made different uh, to the source material and also to the earlier version. But also, I feel like the things that we complained about really were important to the development of the characters in the series. So that's one of the reasons why we complain. But I mean, they did they did some switches there too, where characters that traditionally were um, Caucasian were now African-American and vice versa. And I, I didn't really have a problem with that because it didn't affect the overall storyline. Those types of things, you know, 
it, 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 I won't say it doesn't bother me. I love the fact that they're doing more representation. The only time that it will bother me is if you make a person, a, a, if there's a specific reason why a character was written as Caucasian and then they make them a person of color or vice versa. Like if there's specifically a reason why a person of color character is cast as white, and, and it messes up the story, then I would have a problem with it. But f- for people to keep harping about the fact that these characters who were written however many years ago, think about it, most of the fantasy that was written back then, nobody envisioned people of, char- uh, people of color in these characters. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, we have to change with the times. And I feel like if you are talking about a world that takes place. I, I'm not sure what the time span is for Will of Time, but obviously there are you you saw like um you saw like old bridges or, or vestiges of time, you know, past times in this show. Mm-hmm. The world is more diverse. So you can't tell me that in the future all of the characters are going to be just all white. I mean, I think. Shannara Chronicles was probably a good example of that. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You can't tell me that everybody who survived whatever end of the world is all one particular race. That's just not realistic. And so the fact that they're bringing in the diversity and making it look like the world, the way the world is now, it's a good thing. Get over it. This is what the world looks like. You know, now if it's, if it's, storyline related things that people are complaining about oh they didn't do this in the books if it if it changes the overall story in a bad way then yes I don't have a problem with them complaining about that but the fact that this series has now been out for several months and you're still complaining about the fact that this got changed that got changed it's kind of (sighs) like learn to separate the two you know page to screen adaptations almost never live up to the hype that other p- people created now if there's a okay i'm gonna say, I, I say all that and then say this so there was one page to screen adaptation that i was looking forward to that came out so horribly wrong like everything that they did that they changed for the story was so opposite of what happened in the book and that was for uh beautiful creatures it's it's a YA lit series the caster chronicles i've read the whole series i was looking forward to it went to go watch it in the movie theater and i was like what the fuck was this and they even changed it at the end of the movie so that one of the characters who plays a major role in screwing up everything in the other two books they killed her off in the first movie oh so i was like yeah that's not that and and of course it it did horribly at the box office. They scrapped any plans to do sequels. That kind of thing I can understand because you're changing the nature of the whole series. But if they would have made, you know, Ethan and uh, what's her name, Black, it wouldn't have bothered me. If they would have made him a different race, wouldn't have bothered me because as long as the story is still intact, you know, but anyway. We, we got to do a podcast about page to screen adaptations. I was actually thinking about that while Lori was making her little speech a few minutes ago. I said, we need to, we need to do one of those uh, worst page to screen. Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson. <laughs> well, they're going to, th- 
The third movie is still supposed to come out. Okay, let's save it. Save it. All right. Okay. Save it. Really? Okay. Yeah. Save so it. yeah, that that that'll be one of our uh, podcast suggestions for later on. But um, let's close this one out for episode two because I know we've gotten way off on tangent. But um, any final thoughts for episode two of Wheel of Time? Um, shout out for Rand for getting the medieval version of COVID with the with a bat biting him in the esophagus. Um, I'm. <laughs> I'm really, I'm looking forward to seeing how Perrin's story like pans out because you know at some point he's got to tell one of them what happened. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that runs out. I'm looking forward to see how Matt's, how Matt's greedy ass gets caught out there with that dagger. Like that has to be like something that's going to be like really, that that's be something that you know he brought he brought something out that should have stayed in and it's like. Uh, it's just like you know how you know but like black people like one of the things like you're yelling at the screen like what are you doing don't do that put that put that <laughs> i mean it's, it's just you know i'm looking forward to see how that pans out because that's definitely going to be something that is either going to help or hinder them um mm-hmm. I'm, th- I'm thinking that whatever spirit where spirits can ready to possess them with that dagger is going to draw out whoever is the dragon and that's going to be, Ooh. that should be part of, you know, part of how that comes out. Okay. Hmm. But then again, it is my theory. So, you know, it's probably not going to pay enough, but it's okay. Well, we'll see. We still have, uh, what, six episodes of this series to get into. So we'll see how, which of your theories pan out, Mike, for the rest of the show. But for right now, that's it for our show. You can find us online at www.fandomhybrid.com. We are on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Phantom Hybrid. You can find us also on YouTube and on all major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time. 